different uh, contextually today. Um, kind of reminiscent of my life at home growing up. I didn't know that was considered therapy. But, uh, you know, I think ultimately when it comes to doubts, we've got to turn off the critic. We, we've got to shut down the voice. And sometimes we do need to just say, stop it, amen? You know, especially when it comes to things like, you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not young enough. You're not experienced enough. You're not financially independent enough. You're too young. You're too old. You're not spiritual enough. I think with, with those voices, Satan's back there throwing those things at us. We need to just say, stop it. You know, it's the dragon's voice, and the dragon knows us all too well. Our doubts, our worries, our insecurities. And it really, Satan loves spewing negative thoughts. When it comes to our relationships with one another in the kingdom, our marriages, negative thoughts about our kids. There's so many different areas that he can go after us. And when you listen, you begin to believe the lies, and the dragon becomes stronger in your life. You know, I super appreciate Frank and Tanya getting up here and sharing this morning. Uh, very vulnerable, very real. <clears throat> and you know, and I think you can kind of see the transition through their lives. Even as Christians, we can have challenges. You know, we can start to drift. We can start to buy into the lies. And this is the time that we need to really make sure that we focus on Jesus and just say, stop it. Amen? Ephesians 6, verse 11, most of us are familiar with this passage. You know, the full armor of God, it kind of breaks things down for us in a great way. The one that stands out to in particular for me, we'll go ahead and, we'll go ahead and, uh, read verses 11 through 13. It kind of gives us an overview. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You know, in particular, verse 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And I think these are the things that we need in our lives. When those voices start stirring us up and those emotions start going and we really start doubting, we start pulling back from God, that's when we really need to make sure that we dig in in prayer and in God's Word and discipling, discipling relationships. This gives us the ability to take control of life instead of our lives controlling us. That's being empowered, amen? You know, when you experience a disappointment, you need to ask yourself if you could have done anything differently. And I think, you know, it's one of the things I love about Paul in Philippians 3, just kind of walking through who he was before he became a Christian and some of the aspects of his past, but understanding how when it comes to the past, we need to learn to let go. And the only thing that we have control over is right now. And really solidifying that relationship with Christ, taking responsibility, learning from every experience, the good, bad, and the ugly, and then moving on. Regretting things like resentment and anger and guilt. These are use, absolutely useless, non-productive emotions. And again, we, we can't change the past, but we can learn to be in the present, the present moment, walking with God. Amen? You know, when it comes to those doubts, the different challenges that we can face in life, it does take courage to face the dragon. And, you know, we're not always going to win those battles with the beast, but to know that you held steady, to know that you stared in the eyes of the enemy of adversity and didn't quit is half the battle. You know, I'm super fired up about what's going to be taken on a little bit later here today. 
You know, I think of the challenges we have in life, and I think of our youth. I think it's incredible the stand that a young man is making, and that he's going to be baptized, make Jesus Christ Lord of his life, at 2 o'clock this afternoon, and that's Justin Shump. That's awesome, amen? You know, I've had some interaction with the, the Shump family uh, through the almost two years, well, year and a half, year and three quarters, wherever we're at with things. And it was just amazing sitting down with him and Martine on Friday, just kind of walking through his life, taking a look at the things that were going on, and the stance that he's already taken, and some of the persecution that he's been receiving at school, and yet not being faced by that. Knowing at that stage in his life, he's making a decision that will shape the rest of his life. And the stance that he's taking today is an amazing one, and he knows I mean, he is so mature beyond his years. He knows the things that he's going to be faced with, but he knows that with Christ, everything is possible. And just that willingness to take that stand. You know, we all want results. I wish I could stay at 220 pounds the rest of my life. I intend to stay at 220. But the reality is that I I want to stay at 220. I want to be able to eat whatever I want to eat and not have to work out. Now, I got a question. Are there, uh, I can't see you too well out there. Uh, Rudy Casillas out there today? Uh, any of the other brothers, Rudy, why don't you come on up stage? Any of the other brothers that, uh, uh, did the, uh, push-up contest, uh, at our Ironman last year? Well, I guess we'll just go with Rudy. I don't see any hands. I guess I should have waited to invite him on up to the stage. But, you know, it's amazing the intention that we can have, but without really going after it and taking the necessary steps, we don't really accomplish a whole lot. I love you, bro. Well, that's why I brought you up here. What I want you to try doing is having your hands over your head, on the floor, and doing a push-up for me. Right, you're, you're awesome. You're awesome, man. Now, I was watching Celebrity Apprentice earlier in the, uh, earlier in the month. Kind of a guilty pleasure. I like, I like watching some of the interaction. And, uh, Lou Figno, who's 60, you know, got down. I mean, Lou's whole thing the whole time was, you know, this and that and the other, you know, whatever. But he did get down on his hands, you know, like he just demonstrated for us. I thought to myself, man, I haven't done one of those in about, oh, probably 30 years, somewhere in that realm. So I figured I'd get down on the ground and I'd try doing one of those. And here's the thing. Now, the intent was to try and do it, and I barely squeaked out one, but... I knew I was going to bring Rudy up on stage here today, so I, I made sure there were a couple of days I got in there and I threw a few more of those in the mix, and I can actually do 14 of them. I'll be at 20 here probably by the end of the month. But, you know, man, it, Rudy, that does kind of tweak the lower back just a tad, doesn't it? But, you know, if I hadn't tried it, I wouldn't have known whether or not I could do it or not, and if I hadn't continued to go after it, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did up here on stage today, but... That's the reality when it comes to really going after our relationship with God. There's got to be intention involved, amen? I lost my flicker, I think. Oh, there it is. 
Next slide here. So here's intent. It's resolved or determined to do something. And it's good to get it going mentally, right? But if we get it going here, does that mean it's going to get done? We've got to take the necessary actions. In order to get the results, it says result is a consequence, effect, or outcome of something. Satisfactory or favorable outcome of an undertaking or contest, determination and persistence guarantee results. It just doesn't happen, amen? There's another brother I want to lift up today, and that's Rico McClendon. Just from a standpoint of those of us that know him know that he's been through his share of challenges, amen? I appreciate the way this brother stayed in the battle, no matter what it is that's going on. And he works in a situation that can be kind of challenging. And he, I know he does a great job with it. And one of the reasons I know that is my wife and I have had the opportunity to study with Tyler and Lindsay Watson, who uh, are just making some incredible progress in their marriage, incredible progress when it comes to the relationship with Christ. And this was a woman that came to Rico in the gym sharing about some of the challenges that she had in life. And, you know, most guys in a situation like that would have totally taken advantage of her. He had some great conversations with her, and he said, you know what, I've got this couple you need to meet, you need to come to church with me. I think they can really help facilitate a change in your life. And that degree of persistence and determination, staying in the battle, is what makes a difference as Christians. Amen? You know, one thing that we are called to do as Christians, as disciples, is to live an intentional life. Determination, purpose, boldness, and steadfastness are the four key components of being intentional. Being intentional, living out these characteristics is essential if we're going to live life to the full in Christ. Amen? You know, in Luke 17, there's a uh, passage that, as we continue the passage, that many of us are familiar with. There's many sermons that have been preached on the ten lepers. And ultimately, one of the things that's a, a primary focus in that passage, as it's preached in sermons, is the gratitude that the one leper had coming back to Christ. But I think in this passage there's something that's absolutely equally as important as giving thanks, perhaps even more important. And again, it's found in this passage in Luke 17. You know, I believe this story is told and is actually intended to illustrate a response that the disciples had to Jesus Christ in verse 5, which reads, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus had said in verse 6, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You know, that four-word petition, Lord, increase our faith. I think it's something that has resounded throughout Christianity for thousands of years since Jesus Christ, and that, isn't this the answer that we all want in our prayers? You know, especially when we're dealing with those different doubts and situations that can come up in our life. Imagine if I had more faith. You know, how, much, how many greater things can I personally do for God, my wife, my kids, the congregation? Each of you, if you had more personal faith, what would you be able to accomplish? An incredible relationship with God. Being able to do anything that you set your mind to walking with God. Stronger spiritually, stronger physically, happier more useful. Why? If I only had more faith. You know, I wouldn't be struggling with my problems as I am today. I'd have the answers. I'd be more victorious as a Christian. If, 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 Lord, increase my faith. Let's take a look at the next slide here. 
Got a picture of a mulberry tree for you. Now, at the far end, it's about an eight-foot wall. As you can see, the trunk on that thing's a little thick. I think my problem with this passage through the years is I've gotten so much more focused on the mulberry tree than I have the mustard seed. You see the mustard seed there in that picture? Sitting on the top of the wall. You see it now? They're needless to say relatively small. I have, I've got an old Bible that I've actually got one taped to the inside of. And, you know, and that's the thing. We can get distracted by these, what we view as these major obstacles in our life. And this is where the, the aspect of the mustard seed really comes into play here. After reading it several times, you know, it really dawned on me. You can do what appears to be impossible. You can receive what appears to be impossible to receive. The question is, how much faith do I have? Do I have enough faith to accomplish the impossible? The real question is, do I have mustard seed faith? Let's go ahead and continue here in Luke 17, verse 11. It says, while traveling in Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, it's pretty wild. The healing that takes place here in this particular passage is unlike any other that we see with Jesus. Yeah, these ten lepers, they didn't even get close to Jesus, and this was the nature of their disease. They were unclean. They were impure, and the law of their time prevented it. They stood far off as was customary. And you know, this is interesting. They didn't ask for healing here. What did they ask? Yeah, pity, mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus didn't go to them. He didn't touch them to heal them. He didn't sprinkle dirt on them. didn't spit in the dirt and rub that on them. wasn't any water involved. He didn't breathe on them. He didn't touch them in any way. And Jesus didn't even speak a word of healing to them. He didn't say, be healed. He simply said, go show yourselves to the priest in Jerusalem. And if we go back and we read Leviticus 14, we know this was something that was established with Moses and that any kind of skin issue was something you'd have to go to the high priest to to have certified that you weren't contagious. They'd basically quarantine you for seven days. If it was a scab, they'd watch to see if it, grow, if it grew, changed color, if there was any progression with it or not. And then if there wasn't, they'd quarantine you for additional seven days. If there wasn't any change in it, then they would certify you and you could become part of the community again. Needless to say, if you didn't pass the certification process, you were cast out from society back then. So all these ten men had to do was what? Go. Go to Jerusalem. Present themselves to the priest. Now, nine of these Jewish lepers could do just that. The thing is, that's really kind of crazy with the tenth, and this is really where that faith comes in, is his response. He was a Samaritan. First and foremost, he was a leper. I mean, he's got challenges squared here. Not only was he a leper... But he was a Samaritan. 
This particular sign, there were these signs all around the Jewish temple, some in Greek, some in Latin. And what they read is, no foreigner is to enter within the uh, balustrade and embankment around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his death, which follows. This is from the historian Josephus from War 5, 193, in his history. Think this was maybe going through the head of the Samaritan? Okay, I'm, come on, Jesus, are you kidding me? I mean, it's bad enough I'm a leper. If I go present myself to the priest, I'm dead. Think there were maybe a few doubts going through his head at this point? And I think this is the thing that's so incredibly cool about this passage, is all those warnings, all those situations, all the doubts that he had being an outcast, unlike his nine Jewish friends, he didn't have access. He didn't have access to the priests in Jerusalem. But you know what? Where did Jesus tell him to go? He could have made all kinds of excuses. And we all know how this feels. I mean, we've got the economy to deal with. We've got our relationships. We've got health issues. And whatever your particular situation you may be saying, man, I don't stand a chance. Yet, look at this guy's faith. The command of Jesus has two parts. Go and show. And we need to listen to Christ. We need to take his words to heart. The Samaritan did something awesome. What did he do? He took that mustard seed faith, which if I had one in between my index finger and my thumb, you wouldn't be able to see it. Not a lot, not much, but little. Not quantity, but size. Mustard seed faith. I think just really understanding, you know what? It doesn't take great faith. It doesn't take huge faith. It doesn't take giant faith. It doesn't take Mount Everest faith. All it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. One step, one step for the Samaritan, go. And you know, this thing is so cool about when he went and made the rest unimportant. He took that first step. He didn't have to show himself to the priest. He was cleansed of his leprosy. He was healed. But he wouldn't have been if he hadn't taken that first step. You know, you think about the Samaritan. Put yourself in his sandals for a minute. You have hopes, dreams ambitions, but when it comes to those things, maybe some of them have they maybe not worked out so far. You're discouraged. What do you do? Where do you turn to? What do you think? Man, if I only had more faith, I could change the things in my life. You know, sometimes we don't even go there. If I only had more money, if, I only, if, we're, if I'm single, if I only had a spouse, you know, teen, you're in campus, man, if I was only, only had my degree, this or that would work out. This or that would change. You know, I think what I'm going to say here this morning might even shock you. You don't need more money. You don't need the degree. You don't even need more faith, greater faith. But you need to hear the words of Jesus here in this passage. Go show. If there's a problem, I think a lot of times it can be because that's the thing we've chosen to dwell on. What we can't do instead of what we can do. You can go. We can all go. We can all take that first step. Amen? Jesus says faith is small as a mustard seed can make the impossible possible. You know, I appreciate the uh, Casillas on a, a number of different fronts. Obviously, Rudy's a stud. Come on, Rudy. 
But, you know, I think the, the bigger thing is, that's where he operates from on a spiritual basis. You know, I appreciate the prayer that he and his wife had about the empty house that was there in their neighborhood. And they, they wanted to take the opportunity with whoever it was that was there to usher them on into the kingdom. You know, and that's exactly what took place with Chris and Irene Isles. I mean, it's awesome. Those prayers, that mustard seed faith, was the thing that ushered those, that couple into the kingdom. And we look at this passage. Ten lepers were cured here of leprosy. Nine of them did exactly what Jesus said, what he told them to do. None of them did exactly what the law told them to do. But you know what? With that, none of them failed to do the right thing. You know, the Old Testament is full of teachings about how people, how people were when it came to the relationships with God. And God was frustrated with the worship of those people. Their sacrifices. How did he feel about them? If it wasn't with the right heart, they were worthless. When it came to their festivals and their feast days, same thing. When it came to their fasts and their rituals, same thing. In Hosea 6, verse 6, God says, I desire loyalty and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than of burnt offerings. You know, the issue with those nine was they didn't give God their hearts. They didn't truly worship God. They only did all the right things. You know, I, I know for me, myself personally, so often I can get off track when it comes to what God wants for me personally. I can go through the motions. I can have those prayers. I can read my Bible. I can do what I'm supposed to do as a minister. But sometimes my heart checks out. And that's all that God is concerned with. Do you have that mustard seed faith, which is enough to make you rely on God? You know, and with those nine again, doing all the right things, they missed the main thing, God. You know, when it comes back to the Samaritan, this is what the Samaritan did. Jesus said, go. The Samaritan said, I can do that. He didn't allow the leprosy to stop him. He didn't allow the fact that he was a Samaritan to stop him. He didn't allow what appeared to be closed doors stop him. We need to have that same mindset. Don't let what other people think about you or your plans stop you if you're walking in accordance with God. Stop allowing the dragon's whispers to distract you from God. As Bob Newhart said, Stop it! Was that an okay imitation? You know, the bottom line is, I don't know how my life's going to turn out. You don't know how yours is going to turn out. And the reality of it, it doesn't matter. You can't know how it would turn out until you take the first intentional step towards results. The Samaritan knew he could never set foot inside the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. But he knew that he could take that one step, setting that one foot ahead of the other in the dirt that was right in front of him. And that would be his first step in obedience to Jesus Christ. You know, and bottom line is sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is that first step. You know, uh, our, the brother yesterday, Burroughs, shared about the situation with his grandkids, thinking about how, you know, he wanted to be in great health when his grandkids came around to be able to not just have them sit in his lap, but to get out in the yard and throw a ball with them. And what it got down to was setting that alarm in the morning. And, you know, I think he, had a, he said he had it set so that there was maybe a 20-second lapse in between the first one hitting the snooze and the next one. But he knew when the next one came up, the only way he was going to be able to spend that time with the grandkids, and he couldn't worry about the specifics there, but what he could have control over was rolling to the side of the bed, putting those two feet down, 
getting up and getting on into the shower. And that's, that's what it gets down to. We've got to be willing to take those first steps. Let's make it as practical as we can. Turning to go may mean something like this. Send in that job application. Don't say, what if? Go. Submit your resume. Don't say, yeah, but go. Sign up for that college class. Don't say, you know, I can't because of whatever the wide array of reasons might be. Go. You know, take the trip, take the time off, recharge your batteries, get that great relationship going with God again. No more excuses, just go. Take the first step in mending a broken relationship. If that's what you want. That's what we need to be going after, especially here within our fellowship. You know, some of you may be feeling like you really don't have a sense of purpose or something more that you would like to do. Well, you know, we got this thing that's probably about 40 steps away out front called our community service table. When service is over, Get out of your seats, walk up the aisle, and go. You guys are getting it. Is that you, Elaine? You're a quick study. Come on. You know, another brother that uh, I really appreciate is, is Brian Craig. I think most of you have seen the, uh, the book that he helped David Bruce design for our parenting workshops. You know, uh, going back uh, after the Women's Day, we had these incredible backdrops that uh, Jerry Spradlin put together for us for the, at the Women's Day. And... Uh, Totally appreciate that, Jerry and Paulette. They were there banging that stuff out, screwing it together, hanging the draping off of it. At the end of the uh, Women's Day, it was my job to figure out where it was going to go. And Jerry kind of looked at me cross-eyed as I had it all sitting on top of my matrix. It did get there in one piece. I remember Brian, uh, Craig, and uh, uh, Ben telling me, uh, dude, there's no room in the storage area. And um, I didn't I didn't respond. Uh, I told Brian I'd meet him over there. He had a bunch of stuff that he had to un- unload, all the sound equipment. I got there a little before he did, rearranged the whole thing, threw those behind the uh, choir robes that were hanging up in there, and Brian got there, and the car was all unloaded, and you know, where, where'd they go, bro? Well, they're in there, and we have more room in there now than we had beforehand. I moved our tractor tires around from our Ironman. And, but the other thing that, uh, so, you know, Brian kind of looked at me a little funny. I'm all, you know, bro, I just want to try to help you increase your faith here. But uh, the other aspect of it was, I appreciate Brian, and they, they were out evangelizing. They were getting ready for their parenting workshop. And, you know, you got kids. Schedules don't always go the way that you anticipate. And there's so many other things going on that can get in there and kind of crimp it. But you know what? They decided, even though it was dark, they were going to go anyways. And there was a, a woman in the neighborhood with the kids that they knew, and they'd had some interaction with before, but they didn't know where she lived. They just went. Lo and behold, they ended up on the right porch. They asked her if she wanted to come. And she and another couple they've been working with are coming out to their parenting workshop. That's just going. That's mustard seed faith. Amen? You can clap a little bit more than that. Luke seventeen fifteen says, But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. You know, that Samaritan had that mustard seed faith. Jesus responded, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, when we look at this passage, Jesus didn't say, get up and go, you're cured, or I cured you. And we know the other nine were cured of their leprosy, even though they didn't come back. But Jesus meant, I think, something more than just being cured in this interaction. By dwelling on that fact that only the one in the ten came back, I think Jesus is telling us, you know what? He does expect that acknowledgement from us. 
he does expect that gratitude for what he's done for us personally, as Frank and Tanya shared about. He wanted them, I think he wanted all of the people at that point, and us as well, to look beyond the miracle to the miracle worker. That's the thing that I believe Jesus really was going after here. He wanted them to come into a relationship with Him. Jesus wanted them to see that this man had been given this incredible cure because of his faith. And his life and his body were made whole again. Just because of that faith the size of a mustard seed. You know, I think as Christians, some of you need to take a chance again. There's a number of you that, that used to lead. It's time to lead again. It's time to lead again. Some of you used to shepherd. It's time to shepherd again. Some of you were on fire for God back in the day. Well, today's the day to be back on fire again. Amen. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the training. You have the experience. God needs you. We need you. And today is that day. What it takes is just taking that one step and going. You know, you think about the the impact of that towards our personal fruitfulness, whether it's the fruits of the Spirit, the way we conduct ourselves, or just growing God's kingdom. When it comes to the growth that's involved in our parenting skills, in the workplace, it doesn't matter whether we're married, single, teen, whatever. We all have room to grow, but it takes that first step of going. You know, life of impact and purpose. You can do great things for Christ, yourself, your family, your friends, and your neighbors. But it's got to get beyond the intent. We've got to be intentional and take those first steps and go. Amen? You know, those of you that are visiting with us today, you may need help finding that mustard seed of faith. Study the Bible with the men and women that brought you. You know, if you're looking for a purpose beyond yourself, again, visit our community service table. You will see results. You know, living an intentional life is one of purpose. And the purpose is followed with a bold and steady determination when it comes to those aspects of our life. An intentional life has purpose, discipline, vision, and a vision whose goal is that we will remain, we will grow, and we will go in Christ. If you're not a Christian, you know what? Time to go. Figure it out. If you're here, you're, you've got those doubts. It's just Satan want to keep his grips on you. I mean, you're surrounded by a bunch of men and women that have those same issues. We still have them as Christians. But God gives us the power to get beyond them. Final slide here. You know, we need to really go after having an intentional faith. Intentional faith stands when everything else begins to crumble. Intentional faith chooses trust when others doubt. Intentional faith will calm... Whenever everything else is chaotic, it'll be the calming force in our lives. Intentional faith makes the unmanageable manageable. Intentional faith knows that all things are possible with Christ. Intentional faith believes that what God has promised, He's both willing and capable and able to make happen and provide. And finally, intentional faith believes that God can calm the raging storms, the seas in our life, and delivers the peace and salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless.